0: Dear friends in Christ, the lesson that will serve as the basis for this sermon today is from James chapter 4. I'm going to read this to you. In this fourth chapter of James, like many of the chapters of James, James has a way to apply your faith to all these practical situations. And each and every time he seems to underline the word humility, whether it's spoken or not, There's this attitude and approach of, Lord, my life, my gifts, my blessings that you bring into my life. It's all in your hands. Whether you make me rich or poor, where you put me here or over there, whether you give me that or whether you take it away. This is behind the context of all the lines of John's, this letter. And so we're going to see that here today, too, especially as we think about how we speak about our brothers and sisters. James 4. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, And wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? The word of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, I can remember being in a grocery parking lot. This is a very fuzzy memory, by the way. I was in a grocery store parking lot. And I was probably two years into having a driver's license. Something early. Making a grocery run for something. And I must have hit the panic button. But, you know, I was either walking in or out of the store i don't remember but i was walking and i remember walking and think somebody's car alarm is going off and i wasn't obviously facing my vehicle and you're just thinking boy somebody is really letting that one fly one and you're kind of looking around a little bit there's obviously noise but then i turned And I kind of had to take a second look. Oh, that's the white minivan I drove. The one that belongs to my parents, you know, driving the parents' car. So there's the white minivan with its lights going off. And I think this was a first time for me. So I'm going over to the car and I'm wondering how do I turn this off? And I'm hitting the panic button a couple more times. (laughs) kind of thing. That didn't help, by the way. It wasn't until you, you know, you're like pulling on the handle. I'm trying to talk to the car. I say it's everything's fine, you know, settle down. (laughs) And none of this worked, of course. I had to hit the unlock button and then everything turned off and all was well and peaceful in the parking lot once again. It was one of those things where I wasn't fully aware of what the alarm was for um, or really what to do with it. And I use it for that purpose. Because in today's gospel and in the story of Moses, when Joshua comes running forward, do you remember this part? And he says, Moses, you need to go tell those two to stop prophesying in the camp. Those were the two of the 70 that were like naughty-ish. Like, why didn't you come, Eldad and Medad? You were summoned with the 70 to the tent of meeting. Everybody, all the other 68 were there. And you guys, what, you don't respect Moses enough to show up? But the Spirit caused them to prophesy anyway. And Joshua says, no. And then you have the disciples. Hey, we caught this guy driving out demons. Like, shame on you driving out demons. In Jesus' name. In your name, Lord. But he's not one of us. So, we told him to stop immediately, and we're ready to receive our award for such good disciple behavior, telling him to stop. What's going on? I want to put these pictures together in a way that says to you the disciples and Joshua were not aware of an alarm they should have been hearing. And you can tell when Jesus responds to the disciples or Moses and is going in a completely different direction. And when Jesus looks them in the eye and says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, are you like pulling out your hair wondering, what are these scriptures about today? How does this all make sense? But there's an alarm going off in the word of God and God would have you and me hear it today and pay attention that it is an alarm that means business, and it's for our good. So Jesus sounds the alarm to say, you pay attention to sin in your heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Cut it off so it's not a literal understanding, but it is that kind of serious, in the watchtower 24-7 over my own life, that I'm not going to give you, Mr. Right Hand, a long leash, that you get to do whatever you want. I'm not just going to give you eyeballs on law. Lo- you can just do whatever you please. I can't just say, mouth, whatever you want to say. God's word is sounding an alarm to a widespread, rampant, and wild sinful nature That always and ever wants to put myself up on a step and others down in the process. The kind of spiritual engine that is broken. If you think of, I invested in a trailer recently, so I'm thinking about tow vehicles and trailers. You think of God and his spirit doing his thing in this direction, driving out demons through more than the 12, pouring out his spirit on not just the 68, but even the two that stayed back in the camp. If that's what God wants to do, who am I to get in the way, says Moses. But somehow that trailer being attached to sinful me it's almost like we're the kind of trailer that would rather flip ourselves upside down. And the only way I'm going with you, Lord, is kicking and screaming. I'm not going to go on my wheels. I'm not going to turn in your direction. I will not be towed by the word of the Lord. And we are called to pay attention to it today. So now, having made a mini-sermons on Numbers 11 and a little look at what we read in Mark 9, Let's go back and see how James presses you into something urgent to do and then applies it to your speaking about your neighbor, okay? So the first part here, remember he says this, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit yourselves to God. Where you start in a place of submission is to put yourself under that the the way you spiritually orient yourself as God's blessing and gift is really the safest place to be in. And that is a place that comes under God. In the verse just before this, James said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Like a trailer flipping itself upside down saying, I can do this my way. will be humbled by God. But whoever exalts himself Submit yourselves to God, he says. Go under. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is spiritual irony. It sounds like backwards advice. For us to talk more about our sinful nature and more about our sin is not a bad thing. It is God's good law at work. Submit yourselves to God is to be transparent humbly before Him as He leads us to confess what we otherwise wouldn't. As He leads us to recognize alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells, where we otherwise would not say there's an alarm. And we'd be confused spinning in the parking lot. That's somebody else's vehicle. You tend to walk around, and this is the alarm, okay? I'm sounding an alarm. We walk around thinking, everybody else should be on alert. Everybody else is the problem. This person really has it bad. Boy, God has a lot of work to do with you, not so much with me. We have that little engine, and you all know that by sounding the alarm, oh, I do that, don't I? A little engine that finds whatever narrative, whatever story, whatever looking at you, the disciples say, he's not one of us. What's wrong with not being one of you? James is going to say later on, who made you the judge? God gave his 10 commandments and there's not an 11th that says, unless he's one of the 12, he cannot drive out demons in my name. That's not the 12th commandment, by the way, or 11th. And there isn't one in the time of Moses in the Old Testament that says, specifically, if they don't prophesy at the tent of meeting with the 68, then they should be cursed. The Spirit led them to prophesy. And there Joshua comes running up to harp on some detail that has nothing to do with the word of God. You think of the way you tell stories in your head about other people, who they are. How much they're worth, how you esteem them, and it rarely has anything to do with Christ or their good. And that's what James is getting at. He's saying our starting point is upside down. We need to put that trailer on its wheels. Submit yourselves to God. When someone does that, That's not some weak and vulnerable thing. That's something that's in line with the word. That's something that's in line with God. That's a trailer on its wheels. Sounds backwards. But that's why James would say, resist the devil. His lies are there where you do this for yourself all day. It's like, yeah, I did that better than you did, didn't I? (laughs) I? I said that better than you did, didn't I? My track record's better than yours, isn't it? I look a little cleaner outside than you do, don't I? None of these have to do with the law of God. I'm not judging myself or them by the commandments of God. I'm not falling on my knees in repentance. That's a lie of Satan. Satan does not want you to need this cross. Satan would be so happy if you just went about your time saying other people got their problems. There's other people that need more time with pastor. You should really talk to pastor. I don't have to ever talk to pastor. Isn't that true? You don't ever have to talk to me about anything because you've got it figured out. The devil would keep you far away from your help, from your God. Resist him, resist him, open up, confess it all. Submit to God, it's not a bad thing. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. In the place of God's transparency, the place where God sees and knows everything, including more than you, and still, for all that you are, and all that you think, and all that you've done, God loved you as part of that world, you and the people you think you're better than you and the people all around you that he gave his one and only son. The devil will flee from you then and there. And in that drawing near to God, I told you this whole series we're going to learn what it is to draw near to God that the cross would be on my heart. This is learning it one more time in the view of how we judge and esteem our neighbors. So often it's just for me to get a leg up. It's just for me to stand a little taller in their presence. It's just for me to be better than those I work with, better than those I live by, better than those I go to church and sit next to. Let it all die, go away. Satan, get away from me and get away from the members of living Savior. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That needy soul, that sin-sick soul, God is right there to heal, and to equip, and to empower. You hear that word? It's a promise. Draw near to God, all that you are. And he will draw near to you. He gets close to this weak and lowly, this humble. That's what his cross was all about. God had the most intimate connection with your sin. He paid its full consequence. God got closer to your sin so that you could be separated from them in the word of forgiveness, if you think about that. And he draws near to you in that, that holy God with his holy child, that new status. You see all this beautiful work that's embedded in these blunt, action-packed words that James is giving us this morning? draw near to God. That's why he says, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, because there is a washing, and there is a making clean for all these dirty thoughts and dirty hands. And if you were to say, I'm not a sinner, and I'm not double-minded, then don't move on from that verse until you say, you're right, and I'm so grateful there's a washing for me. I am a sinner, and I am double-minded, And I'm not too proud to say so. Get behind me, Satan. I'm living in the truth. The truth of me and my God. That's the beauty of it. That's the safe space. Because this is in the word of God. This is hitched with wheels. And we get to go in the same direction by the grace of God. So grieve mourn and wail let the alarms go off that you are not just going to be long leashed in the way joshua spoke about others in the way the disciples spoke about that guy driving out demons in your name do not idly think about your neighbor in judgment what did jesus say do not remove the speck from your neighbor's eye without first dealing with the plank in your own. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Because as long as we're in this world, we have alarms that need to sound for our sinful nature. Every day you and I have something to weep about in the sin we see, not just over there, but the sin I see right here. I turn my laughter. It doesn't mean you can't ever laugh. It doesn't mean you can't ever rejoice. It means don't give that right hand some sort of easy street party to sin. Turn it around. In the name of Jesus, for the sake of truth, and live there. That's the main point for today, and I hope you recognize It's utter beauty, especially in the blood of Jesus that is so mixed in with every line coming from James Penn. Every word of the need for a sinner to submit, every word of coming close to God, has as its context that holy hill on which our Savior died for you and made you perfect to stand before him and resist the devil that's power. And it's awesome. And it goes into detail about our neighbor, and I just want to spend a few minutes with you on it because I think these words can be misapplied. He says, don't speak evil, don't slander your neighbor. Anybody that slanders their neighbor, speaks against your neighbor, takes on the position of a judge. I guess you could imagine that my robe was a court judge and I have the gavel. The Judge is the interpreter and the, of the law and the dispenser of its consequences, right? And even here, James says there is a lawgiver and there is a judge, and he condemns, he destroys, and he saves, doesn't he? God has done this with He's fulfilled it, and He saves people through Jesus, and He is the one who points it sa- and says, "You're a sinner, go to hell." That's His God's job. So, for me to judge someone in the context of this verse is saying, don't do this in a sinful way. There's a difference we have to make between looking or judging someone by the word of God and judging someone without the word of God. When we practice Christian discipline, and you love your brothers and sisters so much, you do not want to see them go into false belief or false living, and you want to urgently with love address it and deal with false belief and false living that is in the word of god that's a trailer with its wheels on right that's following the lord using his words to do his work in their hearts that's a service and a love you show them if there's any shred of you that thinks you're better than the sinner you're dealing with then you're not rightly looking in the mirror now i'm doing something in my heart that is wrong i should not be thinking i'm better than you in that moment this sinner who is but dust and ashes without my savior who lives so i will not judge or speak evil against you as if i were different in the name of the lord god bless our preaching and our speaking and our loving on each other but aside from the name of the lord Let every mouth be silent. Let God remain the only one who speaks through you into your neighbor's lives, and that starts in your heart. Let God be the only one who esteems and values your neighbor loving them so much he sent his one and only son to perish for them. And set aside all other betterness and superiority That is a toxic environment for church. Toxic environment for the spirit. You crowd God out with you. How good you are. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. My brothers and sisters, I hope you can appreciate what God is saying to you today. It's a lot of attention here, but I think you get in the submission to God And drawing near to God, it's really a trailer that's just learning how to stay buddy-buddy so close and so tight with the word of the truck, with the word of my God in life. And God be with us as we do this together in his name. Amen.